Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. God damn! And it is another edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic MBA Show, but it's a different edition of Hoops Adjacent on the Athletic NBA Show, David Aldridge, here in D.C. And as many of you probably know by now, my man, Waz Lambray, has changed positions. He is on his way to the ringer, and we wish Waz all the best in his new gig. He has been unbelievably great for me and for the show, and I will miss him terribly. Um, he taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him. Uh, he is a unique voice. He is a great talent. He is a five-tool player. Five dudes! And he will be doing great things over at the Ringer, and we wish him nothing but the best and love and, and respect for all that he's done. And there's only one guy that I wanted to think about in terms of, well, who can step in and, and co-pilot this thing with me going forward? There was only one guy. And that's my man, Marcus Thompson, who was the new co-host of Hoops of Jason. I had some music. I'll play it for you, Marcus. Thank you. And welcome. Long, long as it's Oakland music. There you go. Some, like, I got five on it. You know, some, uh, some uh, two short freaky tales. There you go. <laughs> no, no, we can't be playing freaky tales. It's can't a family show. <laughs> Wait, it's a podcast. I thought we could do that. I don't know. Yeah, we, we can do we whatever can, we want. We'll check with Jay later on, see if we can do that. Maybe next week we'll, we'll, pr- we'll bring you in proper. With some EPMD or something like that. How about that? We could do some DA. I am honored that you have pegged me to disappoint you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after after Hoops and Jason became such a great show with you, Was it, it could have been anybody. You could have chosen anybody to let you down, and you chose me. I did, and I I, I am. I am just honored at the notion that I will be here to make you miss Waz even more. That's <laughs> what, what it's all about is who can, who can make <laughs> you miss Waz. <laughs> but no, man, I am so happy you, you can do this, man. It's, it's uh, the perspective you bring, the, the history you bring, the, the, the everything that you bring. I've already heard so much from people who are like, I was about to, I was about to give up, but then you said Marcus was going to be on. I'm going to give it a shot. So, um, Man, thank you. Thank you for, for joining us and, and joining in with us, man. It's, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to, to hear what you think about a great many things. Um, we could start, actually. Why don't we do this? Let's start with, with the boy, your guys, the Warriors, who look, I mean, pretty much locked in unless something crazy happens. They're at least going to make this play-in round, which is preposterous, but we'll get into that in a second. Um just your your take on how they are doing right now. Steph had another 40-point game last night. Um and is this the is this the best outcome for the Warriors this year, given their potential draft pick situation, given the fact they have Minnesota's pick and all that stuff that we know about? I mean, I think so. I thought so at the beginning of the year. Uh when when Clay you know, towards Achilles, like the day of the draft. Yeah. And it seemed to doom the season. They kind of began with this, like, oh, well, we're done here. <laughs> right. Like, that's <laughs> all, folks. Right. And th- that was kind of the tone. Steve even coached that way. Uh, it became like, all right, let's develop Wiseman. The problem is, you got two guys, you know, who are the epicenter of your team who don't play for development years. <laughs> like, right. these dudes are champions. Right. So, one of the the kind of the good things that has come out of James Wiseman being hurt 
is you give Draymond, you give Steph a chance to at least do this one thing. Go see how far you can get, you know? Go right. go, go have at it, man. You almost owe this to Steph. Because, yeah, you know, okay. you already, he already missed last year. Uh, and, and now you're telling him this is another throwaway year. Draymond was the only vet available, so he kind of paid the price last year. And now mm-hmm. you're telling him this is another throwaway year. <laughs> like You can't do that for dudes who are in their 30s who are used to playing for championships. So the season was done from their perspective, from a championship perspective, when Clay went out. Right. So the league, this is like, all right, go ahead. I'm going to let y'all play outside for a little bit. That's what they're telling Steph and them right now. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to worry about wise. You don't have to worry about developing young players. Go get your money. Go, you know what I'm saying? Go light up the league. Go do what you do. Have some fun because, uh, yeah, this is two years in a row of what you didn't sign up for. So I think they owe them that. I think it's good that they get to at least participate in it because it would not be good if they were not, right? If they were a team that's 14 and looking out, Steph sitting on the sideline, that, that I don't think that would be good for those guys. And keep in mind, Steph still hasn't signed a contract extension, so you kind of right. got to you kind of got to appease Mr. Curry. Well, let's let, let me get into that a little bit because I, you know, from the outside, I I thought they would want to get as good an infusion of young talent in the draft to help them as possible. But I do wonder now that the way you the way you broached it, like no matter who they drafted next year, even if they got like a top five pick chances are that player would would take a year or two to develop you know and get to a to a high level i just wonder now like so even if they were even if they got a top five pick would they would they keep it i mean like you know if they're if they're all in to to make the landing for for steph and clay and draymond as comfortable as possible it seems to almost preclude any young player coming in because they can't really help them for the first year or two I think I think a certain type of young player can, right? The the mm-hmm. Wiseman thing didn't work as far as like giving them some aid. Uh that that proved to be an experiment that didn't help the cause of Curry and Draymond. But you know, if you're watching what some of these young guys are doing this year, like LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, uh Anthony Edwards, if you can come off the bench and get a bucket, handle the ball. You yeah. could be a bit productive for them. Like Jordan Poole was only in his second year, and last year he was terrible. Right. So uh, you could they could find some use out of you. Look, if you could hit a shot, they'll right, right, they'll okay. find some use for you. <laughs> they don't they don't have dudes who can hit shots. Yeah, but but you're right in the sense that you know it won't be like all right a youth movement. It can't be not as long as you got Steph, Draymond, and Clay. It can't be this like youth movement now. It's all about complementary pieces. So that's the fine line. Like they they're gonna get the picks. They're gonna use them. They gotta prepare for life after Steph. But Steph's still here. The Steph Curry run still looks like it's got some years left. They gotta go for a championship, and that might mean packaging some picks or some was, players or whatever. Yeah, I was to gonna go say get your like, guy Bradley Bill. Go yeah, do it and yeah. run a chip. Did somebody write that? Somebody wrote, wrote that wrote a couple that. weeks ago. <laughs> but the problem is the Wizards are in the same the exact same boat as the Warriors are in terms of they're going to, unless something crazy happens, probably make the play-in round and have a yeah. chance to get into the to the playoffs. Um, and so every every day that that happens, it makes it less even more even less likely that they would ever trade Beal um, because you know if they had been terrible, I mean they were awful the first half of the season. Um, 
And if it had continued that way, you could see, you could at least conceivably make a case that Brad could go to them after the season and say, look, man, I'm, I'm tired of this losing shit. You know, like you got to get me out of here. This is three straight years. We've lost. We haven't won nothing, but they're probably going to make this play in tournament. They, you know, they're playing. Might scare some teams too. (laughs) They're playing the best basketball of anybody in that group in the East right now. I mean, look, you're talking about Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington in all likelihood. Well, I mean, I suppose Miami could move up. So it may not be Miami, but certainly Charlotte is going to be in there in some form. Indiana is going to be there in some form. Indiana has just got a bunch of injuries right now. Turner's out. I don't know when he's coming back. Um, the Wizards are playing the best basketball of any of that group. Now, the one thing is Charlotte's getting LaMelo Ball back, and that's huge. That's huge for them, obviously. Um, but, yeah, no, they could definitely – they could win that. They could get one of those two spots. And, you know, I've we said this last week on the show, Marcus, I think they have a much better chance to be competitive against Brooklyn than they do against Philly because they, they got no answer for Joel Embiid. They, have, they don't have anybody on their squad that can check Joel Embiid. Um, but they do have guys that can score and Brooklyn is not a good defensive team. I mean, they're a little, they've been better of late, but there's certainly no lockdown unit. Um, so yeah, I don't know that Beal's going to be available after this year, given the Wizards turnaround. So I wonder which, what Golden State would do in that case. Like who else besides Beal would make sense in that, in that, you know, scenario you bring up of packaging one or two of those picks and I don't know if it would be with Wiseman or with somebody else, you know, to get that that third offensive wing player that they need. Well, first off, we 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 got to address that uh, that just unacceptable Daniel Gafford shade you just threw out there. <laughs> they have the Embiid answer, and you're going to start respecting Daniel Gafford as long as I'm, I'm on the show. Do you I, understand? I, I love Gaff. <laughs> Gav go for them. Gav go for them head fakes. Like Every got some food time. attached to it. Every single time. You know what I mean. Well, all you got to do is raise your eyebrows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's so funny. Yeah. Like if you were guarding Groucho Marx, Groucho Marx would foul him out in six minutes. You know what I mean? Over. Yeah, just raise his eyebrows. He's, he's flying. <laughs> you, you, you know what's going to be interesting, Da? I think, I think the playoffs are going to be a big part of what happens and what's available. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's a few teams where if it doesn't shake out right, if things don't go well, yeah, they might pull some plugs. I think that, and now I, yeah. players start being available. The Clippers, maybe you look at them, right? I mean, yep. You look at the Clippers. How many times if Boston if Boston doesn't do anything, yeah, right? Will they stick right. with that? Philly feels like they perennially on the on, on the edge and break up, <laughs> right, right? Right, right. They the Phillies that neighbor next door that's always fighting. <laughs> right, like you, <laughs> you just know that ain't gonna last. Right, I don't. It's just a few teams where it's like, all right, if this doesn't work, or if they don't get the results they want, they might pull the trigger. That's and true. That that That's could true. benefit a few teams. And you know, I think the big thing about Steph playing the way he did this year mm-hmm. is, I think a lot of. You know how back in the day it was like people were running to play for the Warriors, right? It yeah. was like, yo, let me go get this chip. Yeah. I want to play with Steph. And then there was a time you thought Steph might be done. The Warriors were done. You hadn't seen him much. I think this now makes him look like a more valuable star to play with. Yeah. But I think now it's like, oh, okay, I can go run with Steph again. I, right, I can right, go right. get it back. And, you know, like one of the guys, you you know, people out here are looking at is like, what happens with Paul George, right? Yeah. What happens yeah, with yeah. Ben Simmons? Uh 
that a lot of that that I think that's true for the Wizards too. Like yeah. they need to get a, a player, and it's like, yo, if some of these things fall apart, <laughs> right? You look at that, right. yo, Brad. Brad Russ right. got a crack it out. DC. Right, right, what? right. No, it's, so. it is amazing that that is amazing, Marcus. That that's changed because you Brad was like screaming into the wilderness. Somebody come play with me. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like there was nobody that was interested. But now, yeah, I mean, Russ, like, like, like. Like Steph, Russ has shown, no, Russ still got it. Russ can still play. You know, like he still can play at a very high level. And I agree with you. I think that they, I saw, I did, I did uh, the lead this morning and I told them the same thing. This, this is setting up to me much like a few years ago when, when John Wall and Brad were younger, but were, were putting up numbers and, and they made the playoffs and they got to the second round and, and, we're looking like a team on the rise. And all of a sudden, Paul Pierce is like, yeah, I'll go play for the Wizards for a year. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. nobody saw that yeah. coming. Nobody saw it coming. You know, and so I think they are setting themselves up potentially to have that kind of maybe free agent that that's kind of off the radar. Look at them and go, I could play with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'll spot up and shoot or, or, or defend or whatever. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this offseason because of that. You're exactly right. The, the the results of it. Miami is in the same boat. Like, I don't think there's any chance Miami's going to keep that team together after this year. You know what I mean? Like, there's just zero chance unless they unless they run the table and, and win it all. I mean, you know, and they've got some pieces that that a lot of teams would be interested in. They got players a lot of teams would be interested in. So man, it is gonna be another fascinating. Another one. Another one was the Knicks, right? Yeah, Knicks yeah. looking like a place you want to go play. No question. I don't know. I don't know. Tibbs got the minutes up there, so you might be looking at that like ah, Tibbs still I don't be know. playing him. Cat. Still be paying him dudes thirty eight minutes. It's crazy. Like damn, he's just love, relentless, yo. I just it's love crazy. all the all the revisionist stuff on Tibbs. Well, you know he he went to he went to AAU practices and he went to college practices, and so he's he understands the modern ball player now. <laughs> Hey, he was kicking it with the Warriors. He was at Steve Kerr's camp a lot. I was like, hey, right? look, at, look at Tibbs. Uh, Tibbs, <laughs> Mike Brown, and Steve Kerr. I was like, all right, maybe this maybe this is like coach too hard rehab. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where he he with the most kicking it coaches of all time. Right. Steve Kerr basically running a, still a summer camp Still playing R.J. Barrett 40 minutes a game. <laughs> that didn't stop nothing, right? And Tibbs, like, we're going to keep this party going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh man! But speaking of speaking of surprise teams, though, um, we're gonna bring on our man Eddie Johnson, who does the uh, Suns broadcast, longtime Suns broadcaster, great former player. Eddie could get it too. I'm sure you remember him back in the what? day. What? Eddie was a bucket. Eddie could get some. Eddie was a bucket <laughs> with his little flat top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we'll have Eddie come on in just a minute to talk about the surprising. Phoenix Sun. Oh my God! Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. Turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and it's like the most in his bracket. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> And then he yeah. got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in there. And Marcus Thompson. I just can't get with this idea of taking one hour of content. Poops adjacent. Welcome to Poop 5, 4, we have ignition. Stay mellow. And we are back on Hoops Adjacent with my man Marcus Thompson. 
And we are joined by one of my favorite guys. I've known him for a very long time. I'm so happy he's able to join us. If you if you follow him on Twitter, he is hysterical <laughs> with his with his takes. And, and he re, when he retired from the NBA, he was the all time leading scorer in the NBA history off the bench. Nineteen two oh two. Look it up. <laughs> That's right. He is, hey, you, you better have thrown that two oh two in there. I want all my points. <laughs> no doubt. He has been he has been fo- uh, covering and, and broadcasting Suns games since two thousand one. You have heard him for the last six years on Sirius XM. He has a daily NBA Today show on Sirius XM talking about the league with with my man Justin Termini. Eddie Johnson, what is up, man? Thank you for joining us, man. It's always my pleasure to talk to you. I mean, come on, man. You made me look good when I played. How can I not forget you and 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 and, and not react when you call me up and tell me to do something? So, Eddie, uh, it's my Eddie pleasure. you made you look good, man. You were, as they say today, a bucket when you were playing. <laughs> I know. But you know what? My mom's 92, and I, every time I look at her, I tell her I'm mad at her. She's like, why? Because you, you brought me here too soon. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how much money would you have made now? Oh my God, can you imagine? Do you seriously think about that sometimes? Come on, you think about that sometimes, right? Oh, all the time, all the time. But I'm, you know, and but in a nice way, you know. I'm, I don't feel bad about it. I, you know, you know, Da. When when I came in the league in the '80s, I mean, you know, and I look back at the guys that played in the '70s and the '60s. Please, they didn't, they didn't make anything. I know our jump in the '80s and '90s weren't as big as the jump is now. But still, blessed and fortunate, man, that I was able to play 18 years and just have an opportunity to, to play the game that I love. Man, had one year where I went over to Europe and played in the middle of my career in Greece. Had a tremendous uh, opportunity to play there. I, sh- I probably should have stayed there. But all in all, man, no, I don't have any negative thoughts at all. Man, I'm happy for guys in today's game. I just want them to always remember where it came from. That's my only push to them is just remember the guys that worked hard to put you in this position. Right, right. You know, right. EJ, what's what's so like amazing to me is I don't care what area, you average 21 off the bench. Like, you a bucket getter. And I'm trying to figure out, when, when you were doing that, was the mindset, like, I should be starting, I should be a star, or did the did, did guys just accept that role? I remember, I think you scored 43 and a half one game I was watching so mm-hmm. I was like, yo, this yeah. dude is a bucket getter. But, you know, <laughs> today's day and age, that that might mean, you know, now we got a problem. I shouldn't be coming off the bench or I should be a star somewhere. Right. But yet you were doing it as a career. How, what was your mindset back then? Well, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't easy uh, when they decided to tell me they wanted to bring me off the bench. I wasn't happy about it. Uh, at that point in time, I think I was about five or six years in. Uh, I had averaged, you know, over 20 points. I was basically first or second on our team in rebounding. I was with the Kansas City Kings, but we weren't winning. Uh, and so, you know, as, as people always want to talk to about Russ with empty numbers or guys with empty numbers, uh, my numbers were sort of empty because they weren't producing wins. We had a very talented team. I'm not going to put it all on my shoulders. I think we all understood that we could have been better uh, at that time, I had guys like Reggie Theus, Mike Woodson, uh, LaSalle Thompson, Otis Storp. They had a very talented team. And and so we moved to Sacramento, and Phil Johnson had taken over as coach. 
And after the first year, uh, during the first year, I was still leading the team and scoring and everything. And then he decided that he wanted to bring me off the bench. Now, I know it was a little catch to that. We had a GM, Joe Axton, who didn't want to pay me. So that was his way of getting me to the bench. So I reacted negatively, but I didn't burn the bridge. I understood it. I said, don't worry. You, you, you'll still play me in the fourth quarter. That's all I want anyway. And, and lo and behold, man, I, I just turned that into a positive. I turned it into, you know, something that said, you know what, Eddie? It might stretch your career. And so when I came to Phoenix and Cotton Fitzsimmons, who was my favorite coach ever, I miss him dearly, uh, he just told me, he said, Eddie, look, I'm going to bring you off the bench. Uh, this is what you're going to do. You got ultra green light. Uh, I just want you to actually just, you know, work on your D just, just stay in front of your man. But when you come in the game, I'm running every play to you. And that particular year, man, I mean, it was the, it was the best year of my career. Uh, I'd average more in my career at times, but that 21 and that almost 22 a game in 28 minutes. Uh, I want to see somebody match that. I mean, you know, so, uh, by far my best year. Shot near 50% doing it. Shot over 40 from three. Uh, in today's game, that's about 150 million, right, DA? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Bertans is getting 20 mil a year <laughs> to do exactly what you did. Exactly what you oh. did. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I'm telling you. So yeah, he, he, man, he he robbed two banks with that one. But more power to him. <laughs> man, what was it that everybody who says everybody who ever played, I shouldn't say everybody, almost everybody I've ever talked to who played for Cotton said the same thing that you just said. What was it that made him so, you know, easy to play for, you know, on, on multiple teams over multiple years? Because, you know, he told you exactly what he expected from him. You know, it, was, it wasn't hidden. It wasn't sugar-coated. Uh, this is what I want from you. And I want you to give this to me. And and if you do, if you put that effort, I'm not going to judge you game per game. Uh, I'm going to ride with you. And on top of that, D.A., he also became a father figure to a lot of us. Uh, you know, he just wasn't the coach. He knew our family. He knew our moms. He knew our dads. He knew our brothers and sisters. Uh, he gave parties all the time at his house, dinners at his house. Never we talked about basketball. It was about other things. Uh, it was that sort of thing, man. It was that kind of relationship that was special. And I'm so glad I had him to begin my NBA career because if it wasn't for him, uh, I don't know because I was a second round pick at this. Well, in today's game, that's the first round pick, but right. I was a 29th player taken overall back in my day. And, and if it wasn't for him, you know, who knows? I could have been a journeyman just trying to latch on to jobs and do some things. But he was patient, told me to lose weight. Like I was a, like a power forward slash small forward in college. So I was about 235, 240. They thought I was a power forward. Once they realized I wasn't, made me shed weight. And then I showed them how well I could shoot the ball. And then he just rolled with it, man. So, yeah, I mean, if you played for Cotton, you were going to love him. Man, I, I, that, those were, just, I mean, I just remember those teams so fondly, you know, that just seemed like mm-hmm. they, <clears throat> it was just a great time. And, and happily for you, the, the Suns are back now and it's been, I, I'm not going to say stunning. That's, that's too strong because they had, they had good young players before, but certainly if you look at all the numbers, you know, whether they're the normal terrestrial numbers or the advanced numbers, everything is top 10 this year. And it was all middle of the pack last year. 
And I know Chris Paul is a big, big part of that, but you see them every day. What are, what are people not seeing that also has led to, we'll talk about Chris in a minute. What, what else has led to this, this amazing season so far? Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Yeah, guys, I'm telling you, man, it started last year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was always taught as a player that the way you finish, it can give you a good start the next year. And a lot of people d- don't really understand that at times because they see so much separation between the prior year and then the upcoming year. But what th- what that does is when you play well at the end of the year, it pushes you back in the gym because you enjoyed what you finished and you continue to process. And that's what the Suns did. They had a tremendous run in the bubble. Uh, they go undefeated. Uh, obviously, it reminded them of the games that they messed up early in that particular year that probably could have gotten them into the playoffs. But they but they felt good about it, and it carried over. And, you know, and then what happened is now you, you, you add a Chris Paul, which is an upgrade from Ricky Rubio, who I thought was fantastic when he was here. Uh, it, it gave Devin an understanding of what he needed to do to get to the next level. And and then Devin stopped taking a ton of shots. He just took efficient shots. His field goal percentage went up. Uh, his ability to pass the ball got better. And then when, you know, so it was already set for Chris to, to come here and take it to the next level. And that's what he saw in the bubble. Uh, obviously, he was enthralled in Oklahoma City Thunder and what they were doing and how he was lifting them. But he was also smart enough to really see teams around that, you know, maybe he might have a chance to leave and might have to leave. And he saw he saw the Suns. He saw the Suns' young players. He saw their talent. He saw how hard they worked. And his addition uh, just took us to the next level. But, yeah, it started last year. Uh, you know, I don't want to give Chris Old the credit, but he deserves a ton. Uh, uh, just trust me in that. But uh, he saw it too last year, how it got started, and it really gave him an idea that he could really take it to the next level. EJ, my two favorite sons from this team, I'll tell you who they are. One uh-huh. is Von Carter. I love those uh-huh. hard nose, you know, yeah. bench point guards who just come in and cause problems. Right. Uh-huh. My favorite yep. son, Michael Bridges. I, I feel like he oh, yeah. is the perfect player in many ways especially when you have a team you know that that guy you got to have on the team Mm -hmm. who does all the little things and he's so efficient how much has he grown as you've watched him become a player you 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 are so right man uh i had him on my radio show yesterday and i just love everything about this kid this kid he would he earned his minutes and his opportunity the way i would love all kids to have to when they got to the nba you know you think about it 
you know, he probably was wondering, you know, what they were thinking about because he spent the entire his entire career in college. He didn't leave early, right? But he had success. He, he won the title. But it was so many question marks on him uh, when he came in. And more so anything, oh, he's too old. Is he going to improve anymore, right? That's, that's the line now that, that these young GMs, these analytical gurus, they, they have a negative idea toward older players coming out of college. And Mikel, his first year, he didn't understand much. He struggled a little bit. And then when Monty took over, uh, Monty didn't give him anything. Monty, matter of fact, took him out of the rotation. And Mikel was going crazy because he didn't know what was going on. Matter of fact, gave him a couple of DMPs. And it forced Mikel to get in the gym and work on his shot because that's what was holding him back. He worked on his release point. It got better. We all knew he was a tremendous defender, a great teammate in the locker room. And all of a sudden, man, it's just taking off. I mean, like he said on my show yesterday, he said, Eddie, I just got in the gym and worked harder. You know, but I wanted to add, I said, also smart, because a lot of people can work hard, but they're, they're not doing the right thing. He was working smarter. He changed the he changed the release point on his shot. He gained his confidence because that ball was starting to go in. And then defensively, it ramped it up even more because he was getting the minutes. He knew he'd have to look over his shoulder. He right now, you know, in my estimation, is the third best player. I think eventually DeAndre could rise to be the best player. You know, but right now, in regards to importance uh, and what they need every night, a guy to knock down the threes, and now he's able to go off the dribble and do, and hit mid-range because he's watching Devin and Chris Paul do it. And then lock down people. I, I, and he runs the court better than most players in the league, and he finishes just as well. So right now, man, he, to me, he's a future all-star. Uh, I, think he's most, I think he's most improved, but obviously I think Randall will get it. Uh, but, you know, in regards to my mindset, Randall was already there in the sense he just raised it up another level, Man. whereas Mikhail has come from Mikhail has come from nowhere. And, and right now he's one of the better all-around players in the game. You know, it's funny. I, talk, I remember talking to Monty right at the beginning of this year, and he had mentioned Mikhail, but he had, to Marcus's point, he had also mentioned Javon Carter as, as somebody that during the regular season last year, he didn't play much at all. And then the assistant mm-hmm. coaches all went to him and said, you got to get this guy on the floor. And he put and he played him in the bubble and he balled out. And, he, you know, I think, like you said, Eddie, there's been some carryover to this year. Without a doubt. I, I think, as, as you just said, uh, Monty saw it. He saw it. What he did in the bubble and, and how he performed, he was like, he told him. He told him, matter of fact, at the end of last year, you're starting next year. Told him. And that yeah. sent him home for the summertime, really more focused on what he needed to do. Now, I don't think Monty would say that to any player, right? You don't want to say that to any player. Uh, but he knew that Mikhail would continue to do what he had done uh, to help this team. And, and he has been simply amazing. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids and Honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton 
is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The the other guy I wanted to mention, you, you had talked about him before, was Aiton. And this is mm-hmm. this is for Marcus because the Warriors yeah. are, are struggling with James Wiseman right now. <laughs> he had a rough rough rookie season, um, but yeah. you know so did so did DeAndre. And now you can see what happens right. if you stick with a young guy, especially a young big. It takes longer. Um, what is different with DeAndre now than maybe a year or two ago? He's listening. He's listening better. Uh, I think he listened when he first got in, but he's listening better now. He's comprehending. And he sees the result. Uh, and, you know, Chris Paul's not going to shut up. So he's going to continue to talk even <laughs> if you don't want him to. Right. And that's parlayed over to Devin talking to him all the time, Mikhail talking to him, uh, Jay Crowder. Uh, and you know what? He's listening, man. Uh, he still has his down moments. He's 22 years old. And, and, and I, for one, have to be, I've had to catch myself on our telecast and, and not being too difficult on them and being patient because you guys know, look, I mean, guys that have come into this league, and I remember Wilt Chamberlain once said something. Uh, he said that, you know, he didn't want to hurt people because he was always the biggest kid, right? When you're growing up, they always tell you the biggest. They always right. worried about their kid against you. And I think in a way, big kids, they – they get passive because they don't want to hurt anybody. Right. And I, I think being that gentle giant is a huge negative, right? I wish they all had the mentality that Shaq had. When Shaq came in the league, he wanted to destroy people. He didn't care. He wanted to send you to the hospital. <laughs> but a lot of big guys don't have that mentality. And and I think DeAndre has had to understand that he's the strongest guy on the court every night. Guys are beating up on him, and sooner or later you got to say, "Okay, enough of this," and start start you know exhibiting some pain on the other end. And I think he's getting to that point. Uh, he's, he's, look, he's a tremendous rebounder. He can rebound out of his area. Uh, I think he should be more ferocious when he gets the ball in the paint. He's getting better at that. He's catching the ball better in traffic. So you see a lot of good things is happening. And if he continues to progress, guys. He, he arguably can can make a run at you know one of these years as being looked at as the best big man in the game. He has those kind of skills. Uh, it's just up to him to bring them on. I mean, look at what Joel Embiid is doing. Joel at one point in time out of shape, not showing much interest all the time, and all of a sudden he's figured it out, and now he has an opportunity to be most viable player in this league. So. Uh, I kind of compare uh, DeAndre Ayton to Joel in that sense, not the offensive guy that Joel is, but just the size and the ability to be able to dominate once he figures this game out. 
you, you've mentioned uh, Monty Williams a lot, and you know we've seen Monty pull this off before. Uh, it, it feels like Monty is one of those guys that just don't make anymore. One of those humans, right? <laughs> just everybody raves about him. You never hear a bad word about him. Everywhere he goes, everything just works. He, he seems like a genuine guy. So I'm wondering, is this is the movie about him going to be on broadcast TV or we go on cable? Because we got to make a movie about Monty Williams' life, right? He's too inspirational not to, to pass this up. And I feel like DA should just go ahead and write it. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, well... I, yeah, go ahead. I'm serious because no, he he he's doing it. He's doing it his way. He's coaching his way, and he's had a lot of great coaches he's worked under, and he, I think he's taken something from every one of them. Right? I mean, Popovich, Thibodeau, uh, just being around all the coaches he he's been around. You know, just being in Philadelphia, I think he understands what he has to do as an individual and what strengths he has. And then he combines the strengths that he's learned from other people. And it's really worked for him. He's a no-nonsense coach. Uh, he, his practices, I'm telling you, you can hear a pin drop. Guys, there's no chatter. It's no messing around. It's all business. Uh, he allows his assistant coaches to coach. Uh, he gives them that rope and that leeway. He observes a lot. And I love when a, a head coach does that. Uh, so he, he's doing a lot of things right, man. And he's given his team the ball, meaning that he lets them control the locker room. Uh, you know, Chris Paul now, especially, and Devin Booker, you know, they control what goes on in that environment. And so it, it's really worked out, man. Uh, it, it truly has. His trust in his team has been huge. Uh, his trust in guys like Devon Carter, Marcus, like you said, uh, you know, uh, Jay Crowder, uh, just on down the line. Campaign, who, you know, Campaign didn't burn a bridge in Oklahoma City when Monty was there. Monty was working with him every day. Campaign was in that that period where, you know, he had played his rookie year early and then all of a sudden he fell to the basement. And he could have fought it. He could have acted belligerent, but he didn't. And Monty remembered that. And when Monty got a job, he called for the guy. He was playing over in Europe. I mean, over in China, I believe called for him. And all of a sudden now the guy is like, you know, he's the son's sixth man. I mean, he's the guy with the green light off the bench. I mean, so it, it, it says a lot about, you know, Monty just remembering guys that did well in his past and, and giving him an opportunity. You know, I, I wanted to to kind of get into the, the Chris Paul impact first off by how Devin has accepted that. And I think that's as big as anything else because Devin was the guy, you know, like he was the right. guy and he could have said like a lot of players have said over the years, no, nah, I don't, I don't need any, I don't need another star hogging the ball, taking my shots. And he has accepted it seemingly seamlessly. Um, I just think that to me is one of the biggest stories of, of the Sun's success this year is that Devin has willingly accepted Chris's kind of leadership on and off the floor, on and off the ball. Yeah. You know, and, and, and for us here, we knew that Devin would because we, we saw the passion uh, in, in those years when he was just learning the game and, you know, going through the tough times, uh, you know, not being able to make the playoffs and not make all-star games. We, we saw how humble he was. We saw, how much he paid attention to detail, uh, how much he was a historian of the game. His dad, 
you know, really did a great job with him uh, and and very respectful. Uh, Mr. Johnson, you know, Mr. Chambers, you know, toward Tom Chambers. I mean, you know, you, you talk to him. He, he gives you 100% attention. He looks you right in your eyes. You can just tell that he had it, man. And, and I'm going to tell you all the story one day. One day we were in Mexico City. And that's when he was going through his runs, just scoring a ton of points and, and doing all that. And we were in Mexico City, and he had broke my record for the Suns where he scored, I think it was 29 points in a, in a, in a quarter, something like that, or in a half. No, in a quarter. And and so after the game, you know, the next day he came over and sat next to me. And I was like, you feel good about breaking my record? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I feel good about it. And what what other kind of records are out there? And I was like, uh, well, you know, you got Tom Chambers' record, and then you got, uh, you know, you got my record. I think I think you can get Tom's record. He averaged, you know, he had sixty in the game against Seattle. So I'm like, yeah, get my record. He's like, what's your record? I said forty three and a half. You're not getting. It. <laughs> I said I don't care what you do. You're not getting. It. And two weeks later. Two weeks later, he just Boston. looked at me. He got up and he just looked at me and walked away. And two weeks later in Boston, he broke both of our records the same night. <laughs> and, 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 and as he was as, as he was breaking the records, he was walking by the scores table and he was staring at me as if I was playing. I'm a, how many I got now? How many I got now? So, so I told him. I told him. I said, "You got sixty. That ain't enough." what he said wow and he went and got 70 and and but, but the amazing part about that is he held on to what i said and it challenged him and he went for it but this is what he's doing now ricky rubio challenged him to trust him to keep his teammates involved okay and you're still going to get yours he got a dose of it last year with ricky rubio and chris paul did the same thing Devin, you're going to get your number but you're not going to get them like you used to get them. And he bought in. And he's, efficient, he's having his most efficient year. So it doesn't shock me, guys. I'm telling you, for the ones that know him here, I mean, and understand his mentality, we knew that when it was time to really change and, and, and back down a little bit and play the game the way he's playing it right now, we knew it would, we knew it would happen. So if, if Monty set this up pretty much last year and – you're talking about Devin, you know, started the buy-in last year. Uh, it, it, explain for us what what is Chris Paul? How has he accentuated all of that? What does he bring in that is kind of taking it all to another level? Because he clearly is. He's just no nonsense, man. I mean, he doesn't let guys slip with anything. He doesn't. I mean, it. They can be up thirty, and he's over there talking. Seriously, he doesn't let them relax or rest on their laurels or, you know, it's, it's that mentality that Chris Paul grabbed onto when he first got into the league. You only as good as the last second you played, the last minute you played, the last game you played. That's it. And when you hold on to that, you become ultra consistent. Bad guys tell me that. Cotton used to always tell me that. Yeah, the only as good as the last game. That's it. You you had 35 the other day? Well, you ain't got for 15, none, and you're shooting 8 for 22. <laughs> yeah. That's what you are to me right now. You know, and 
And and I think Chris Paul, he does that for them. He he does not allow them to relax. It's amazing watching, you know, and you know, we all knew, you you know how great Chris Paul is, but I think he had something to prove too, because look, let's be honest, people, there were a lot of people that thought he was done or as a elite player, right? I mean, still a good player, but no longer an elite player. And even last year, he played very well, very well at Oklahoma City. Um, is there anything that you're seeing that you did not appreciate about him when you see him every night? No, because, see, I, I kind of figured out, because obviously Mike Woodson and I are, are very good friends. Yeah. And Mike was assistant coach, and he was assistant coach with the Clippers. And and I used to have a lot of questions to Mike. I'm like, man, what's up with Chris Paul, man? Well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he said, Eddie, he said, we have to force him to shoot the ball. What he is trying to tell Blake and DeAndre is the right thing. But they're fighting them because they think they're stars. Now, I understand it. Blake Griffin was a star back then. I mean, he was trying to create his own career. DeAndre Jordan was making first-team All-NBA. At one point in time, he was looked at as one of the top centers in the game, one of the top defensive players in the game at the center position. So Chris Paul couldn't reach them. They they pushed back on him because they felt maybe that they should be talking and they should be doing what he's doing. And so it didn't work because those guys didn't give in. And if you look back historically, look back at the Bulls. I mean, if if Scotty and Horace Grant didn't give in, you know, well, they did give in. And look what happened. They won titles. I mean, James Worthy goes to the Lakers. He's a, he's the number one pick. He could have fought Magic. Yeah, he could have fought an older Kareem, but he didn't, and he won titles. I mean, Kevin McHale. He didn't fight, even though him and Bird used to get into it, and he won titles. I mean, it's pretty obvious how it works, and those guys just couldn't miss, right? Safari Marbury goes to Minnesota. He wanted to fight Kevin Garnett. They broke up. Look what happened. Uh, it's just those sort of things that, you know, I thought hurt Chris Paul. And then when he goes to Houston, he's thinking, okay, James Harden struggled in the way that he was playing. He'll give him the ball. He'll let him maybe take over in crunch time, maybe give him that little difference that they struggled with before he got there. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take it. And so that blew up. But then he goes to Oklahoma City. Everybody thought they would stink. But those guys listened to him, and they had success. And then he comes here to Phoenix, and it's the same thing. They listened to him, and he had success. So a lot of people want to look and criticize Chris Paul, but in honesty, no, those guys didn't listen. Like those guys listened to Magic. Like they listened to Bird. Like they listened to MJ. They didn't listen to him. And and I think that's what hurt him, and I think that's why he feels more at home in these type of situations now. Well, it's it's been amazing. It's been a great season so far for them. I don't see any reason they can't have a long run in the playoffs. We'll see. I mean, everybody's one injury away from despair, but right. man, I think Phoenix is is set up to play well in the playoffs. Um, they're not going to. They're not a three point team that depends on the three all the time no. you know so they can get theirs and they got multiple they guys that can get theirs. Can yeah <laughs> yeah and they got a chance they got a chance guys i mean yeah you know look the way the lake the because you don't know what the what the lakers are going to turn out i, I yeah. hate the fact that they're teetering at the bottom 
because I think it's a travesty if we have to face them in the first round. <laughs> that would and, not be and, fair. And, 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 and LeBron shows up because yeah. I don't care what, what they're going through now. We know damn well that that man come playoff time is going to turn into some crazed animal. Right. I don't want to see him. And, mm-hmm. but, but their struggles are there, uh, obviously. And I think the Suns have a great opportunity, man, in the Western Conference. And uh, I'm glad people are going to get a chance to see how good this basketball team is because they are very good. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, man, I know you got to run. You got your own show to do, uh, Sirius XM. Well, ho- hold on. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I got I to gotta give Eddie I gotta give Eddie a hard time because, and I know you're going to remember this, Eddie, one of my first basketball experiences, I was, I'm, I'm from Oakland, just getting mm-hmm. ready, getting into hoop. 1989 playoffs, the Warriors take one in Phoenix, and, and we hype. Run TMC. This is our. This is uh-huh. it. It's about to go down. <laughs> Phoenix comes to Oakland, DA. It's a close one. Uh, yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, y'all jumped up big in the first quarter, rallied back, and it wasn't enough. Uh, so, but it was all on game four. Eddie goes out and drops thirty five on us. I was so mad. I was so mad. One of my first, one of my first basketball experiences. You just tormented an eleven year old kid. Look, I'm sorry, but I do remember that game, man. And we had battles, man. I mean, all those guys are very good friends of mine, uh, and I love them to death. Matter of fact, I was talking to Mitch uh, about a week and a half ago, and. And, you know, we always laugh about how we used to battle against each other, man. I, yeah, but I remember that game. I truly do. I mean, we uh, went up yeah, there I and I think yeah, you I all beat you us. Do. And we, yeah, we won both games up there and came back and, <laughs> and, and closed it out. But, oh, yeah, I, I remember that series, man. I, oh, I'm man. sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you ain't. You ain't sorry at all. No, <laughs> you know I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I was talking more. I was talking so much junk to Terry Teagle, man, in that series, man. Terry wanted to fight me, man. Uh, no. <laughs> That's outstanding. Man, Eddie Johnson, a pleasure, man. Safe travels, man. Enjoy the enjoy the All rest right. of this season and enjoy, again, uh, NBA Today on Sirius XM Radio with our man Justin Termini. A great listen. And uh, thank you for joining us, man. And, man, thank right. all of you for listening this week. And hey, please, have, DJ. Yeah, have me anytime, man. All right, you guys, I appreciate you all and stay safe. Man, thank you. You too. You too. All right. Amen. Okay. All right. And uh, like I said, leave that leave that five star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get us. And as I always say, Marcus, if it's less than five stars, keep that to yourself, man. If you ain't got that nice to say, don't say it at all. Later.